This Choircast podcast episode is brought to you by the brand new number one best-selling Amazon blockbusting book, The Seeds of Deconstruction. One Troublemaker's Journey from Religious Certainty to Liberating Doubt by brand new author, Nat Turney, also the co-host of This Is Not Church, the podcast. If you are deconstructing, if you have deconstructed, if you're thinking about deconstructing or you're just wondering what the hell is deconstruction anyway, pick up this book and find out. It's all the rage. All the kids are doing it. It's great. Check it out wherever fine books are sold. Buy a copy for yourself. Buy one for your friends. Maybe take it to your Bible study and really piss some folks off. Peace out. Love y'all. Thanks. Hey, this is December Rose and I take my coffee the way I take my theology. Strong, hot, and eye-opening. That's why I love the Second Cup with Keith podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Second Cup with Keith. I am your host, Keith Giles, of course. And um, again, we're doing a little bit different on on the podcast. Uh, Once more, I'm going to be joined by a special guest. And uh, this time around, it's a very special guest. I am joined by my son, uh, my youngest son, David Giles. And we are going to have a little conversation here about a brand new book, his first novel that he just wrote and will be published by Choir Publishing, um, coming out very soon. And so, um, David, I want you just to say hi. Hello. Uh, as mentioned, name's David. Um, I'm a, I guess now I'm a published author, or I don't know when this is coming out, <laughs> but I, by the time it comes out, I might be a published author. Yes. Um, I've moved around quite a bit, spent time in so many different states, um, ventured in so many different forms of art, um, be it novel, uh, music, whatever have you. But yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, very cool. So um, I know it's kind of odd to be, you know, being interviewed by your dad. (laughs) But um, Yeah. yeah, we want to talk about your book. So I guess first thing would be, tell us what is the title of your novel and what's it about? Yeah, uh, the name of the title is There Once Were Orange Groves. It's about two siblings, uh, both growing up in Orange County, California, as well as then like them after they both graduate college and then their father ends up dying in a tragic car crash. Um, and it's just about those quiet moments and how that grief will just color everything throughout the day and so instead of just I I was it was written during the pandemic and so a lot of it was me just kind of like going through that like the just kind of general feeling of grief that colored a lot of going through the pandemic at that time because I graduated during the pandemic in 2020 Mm -hmm. and it was like all of these friendships that I had in college and then all of a sudden everyone's there and then in a week everyone's flying home and i never see them again it's just like or at least at that time it's a i will never see them again quite possibly and for a few of them that has been the case yeah that's and that is um something maybe if you if you haven't experienced it or if you didn't have someone who went through that um you might not realize that but yeah that was you and your brother both graduated from college two different colleges um Mm -hmm. in 2020 and you both had that that very surreal experience. And it's pretty much like, you know, every class before you got to have a graduation ceremony and a, and a chance to say goodbye and have parties and all that. And every uh, every class after you got a chance to do that. But if you were in 2020, like you and your brother were, you did not get that. You just, you know, like you said, you just, 
you got you you had your last day of class, you got your grades, and that was it. And you never yeah, yeah never got to any closure on that. That was really very bizarre and yeah. very uh, unfortunate. It also was inspired by the fact that around that time as well, um, my grandfather passed away. Um, as as you know, my um, dad. Yeah, yeah, and. It was the sort of thing where it was a very conflicted relationship where there's some ways where it's like, oh, yes, this he's my grandfather and he loves me. And then other ways where it's just this like, he was kind of emotionally abusive at times. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, I, it, that happened during the pandemic and I woke up um, and normally I worked graveyard shift, but this is one day a week. Uh, I'd, work a, I'd work a sixth day once a week sometimes um and i was going into work in the morning and i'm getting dressed and i get that text and i'm like do i go into work or do i call out mm-hmm. and just i'm thinking that as i'm showering as i'm brushing my teeth as i'm getting dressed and then i drive to work and i'm just like i i don't think i should do this but i didn't know what else to do it felt like the easiest way was like no i'm just going to work through this because i i don't know what is going on um and it took until the drive home for anything to really kind of settle in at all yeah yeah um so i am are those the things that kind of inspired you to start writing the story just those feelings those emotions that were going on around that time yeah it was that i mean the book also partially takes place in idaho and that was also inspired by uh, my parents um, moving to Idaho for a year and just mm-hmm. going there and like having a very strong reaction to it. Um, I'll, I'll, you'll find out what the reaction is when you read the book. <laughs> um, but you can tell by my tone of voice what kind of reaction it was. Um, yeah. And I just kind of needed to process Idaho as well because just life had a lot of changes in a very short amount of time. 2018 was when you guys moved away. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a lot of stuff involved there. And then yep. 2020, like 2018 was a mess. And then 2020, all of that stuff happens. And just like, just such a constant amount of like unrest throughout like every moment of life. But, yeah. 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 Yeah, that does. Um, so it seems like there was a lot of loss and grief and those kind of emotions kind of like one after the other, right? Yeah, yeah, a lot of that. Um, the other reason, <clears throat> sorry there, uh, the other reason why I wrote this novel is uh, the house I was living at, at the time, I just really was didn't feel comfortable in it. Uh, and as mentioned earlier, I like to make music. I didn't feel like making music there because I just like, I don't want to make anything that could be overheard by anyone, even though I don't think they'd care. It was just like, I, I don't want to do that. So you so, real quick though, you were renting a room uh, and yes. some people's house that you didn't really know them, right? Very well. No, I knew someone who, the person who I was taking the place of, I knew them and they're like, they're really nice people, like a few red flags here, but they're nice people. And it was like, well, my lease ended a month ago and I'm still in the house, so I should probably move into this other place because I don't have any other option. Yeah, there were there were red flags and there were Trump flags. Yeah, yes, there <laughs> were. Um, 
Yeah, it w- th- I think I mentioned in the novel that there was a, was a point there when I realized I needed to move out, which was uh, when, because they were always watching Fox News, and something was said on the television, and my brain just went, wow, if you were standing, I was like, I was in the kitchen, and from the kitchen I could over here, and I was just slicing something with a knife, and then when the person says it, my brain just goes, man, if you were standing right here, I'd stab you, and then my brain goes, I need to get out of here. This is not good if this is my immediate reaction because I've been like <laughs> so saturated with this stuff that my immediate reaction to hearing just one more thing like that being said is, man, Laura Ingram, if you were here, uh, I'm gonna, not going to say that because that sounds like that might be a threat. It's not a threat. It was right. just my impulsive reaction a while ago. It was a feeling. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A reaction. Yeah. So um, can I real quick though ask you too, um, the title. So the title is There Once Were Orange Groves. Can you explain the title and why you chose that as the title? For your yeah. Book? Um, it was very much just a novel about, partially about time, uh, like the passage of time and stuff like that. So just, it's a sort of thing where when I was young, I always remember like, oh, Orange County. Yeah, there used to be a lot of orange groves here. And that's just like a thing so many people told me when I was a small kid. Um, and so it was just like, just kind of a thing that people would always bring up about Orange County. And so I was like, okay. And just when I'm writing a book then about Orange County, it felt like, yeah, I should write about this. Yeah. Like I should, that just felt like the name. It just kind of came to me. It was like, okay, yeah, that's it. I, there's nothing else it could be. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's cool. And so you mentioned um, time. That's (laughs) something in the book that you, you do play around with. And um, so Talk about that too. So why did you decide to, to write the book this way where you're kind of playing yeah. with time and, and what did, why did you decide to do that? What does that do um, mm-hmm. in helping you tell the story? Yeah. Um, so it, it was a few things. Um, first of all, it was just like, I kind of enjoyed making it non-chronological. Mm-hmm. The other thing was just that the way I was writing it was just, um, I would try to be like, okay, I'm going to give myself... 30 minutes um was it 30 minutes or an hour it was like a 30 minutes or an hour uh five days a week i am going to sit down and write Mm -hmm. um and the novel as mentioned earlier it's about two siblings a brother and a sister and so some days i would be feeling like writing about the brother sometimes i'd be feeling about writing about the sister and so this way i was able to just by letting myself jump around in time it was like, okay, I can write whichever one I feel like writing about wherever they are at that point. And I'm not like, uh, I don't want to write chapter. Like, I don't want to write the next thing that's going to happen. I'm like, so I'm just going to said, write something else that happened either in the future or in the past. instead of the next immediate thing to happen. And so I could just get to it when I needed to. Yeah. Um, and then I realized that the way it was set up, I couldn't really switch it to being chronological after the fact. So right. um, that's because as much as it's about two siblings, there's a third character in the book and I won't spoil that right now. Oh, okay. Yeah. You want to keep uh, that a secret? All right. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, we'll spoil it probably in like 30 minutes when uh, one of the questions kind of will bring that up. <laughs> right. Well, we might eventually, I, I might get to that. So I just say, so you know, um, well, there's one. So the the book, the novel is very, um, like you said. So it's 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 not chronological. It's told out of order, and um, I think most people, in the way you wrote it, you did a good job. I think of helping ground people in the fact that 
number one, that's what's going to be happening. But also, as you're reading it, there are little clues as you're reading, oh, this is happening before that thing happened, or this is before or after this other thing happened. Um, so people should, you know, don't have a, a hard time keeping up with that. But there's also something unusual about the novel, and uh, it's kind of the midpoint at some point, I think, there's um, there's an essay. You just kind of like jump into this essay that you wrote, I think, while you were going to college. Um, so what's that essay about, and why did you drop it into the middle of your novel? Yes. Um, yeah, so the essay is about um, Andre Tarkovsky's film Nostalgia. And it's also about um, if it's ethic, if you can, or if it's ethical to translate poetry, if it's even possible to translate poetry. Mm-hmm. And it's also about Kendrick Lamar's *To Pimp a Butterfly*. So, just you know, a narrow range of topics <laughs> to pick from. Two things I would never put together: Tarkovsky and uh, *To Pimp a Butterfly*. Yeah, um, it works way better than it should, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, it was the sort of thing where I in college randomly got really interested because I also do poetry and I got really interested in like, hold on people translate poetry. How does that work? Right. Um, and then I realized that Andre Tarkovsky's film mentions the translation of poetry. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of just went into a like, okay, why can't you translate poetry? And it's like, okay. Cause there's so much more based in like, that when it comes to understanding another person, that there, there's this cultural barrier there that even if you trans, like it doesn't matter if it's word for word, that word might have a different, like Con- connotation. There's a, yeah, there's a cultural connotation there. Um, I know people have talked about that difficulty as well as translating the Bible. And it's like, yeah, do you translate, sh- like if a country doesn't have sheep and their farm animals they have is pigs, do you translate that as pigs? Because that's mm-hmm. the point of reference they have. Right. It's like rather controversial if you're like it's right. a Judaic, if to Judaism, but it's also like this is the only metric they have to understand that. So yeah. maybe that is the option. Um, and so I just like got really interested in that co- that topic of how do you translate poetry. Um, but then it got even further when I was realizing um, t- the film involved. Uh, the film Nostalgia by Andrei Tarkovsky, the protagonist is investigating a poet who goes to Italy and then returns home uh, and then ends his own life. And he, it's a sort of thing where he's like, what, he's wondering what made this guy do that. And then so it's kind of this realization that like, as much as you can't translate, like the world is changing around you as well. Um, and so when the guy leaves, when he comes back, he realizes, I don't fully recognize this place anymore. Like mm. my home, I can't recognize my home. Um, and so he now, like he's lost almost that language there. Um, and so because of that, that also uh, feeling like you've lost your home felt kind of relevant for me as well. Uh, mm. But then the fact that it was just like, okay, you can't like, you can't translate poetry why is there this much of a barrier here? And then realizing, oh, if the barrier is all, not just like translation, if it's even just interpersonal, like the fact that, yeah, like I grew up in Orange County, California, and there was such a cultural difference between me and someone who lives like 40 minutes away in LA. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. And there is a cultural difference there that I do not have the language really to understand the full depth of the meaning of it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And it also helps that To Pimp a Butterfly is about Kendrick going to somewhere else that he feels like it should be like, this is my heritage. And also having that, like, trying to understand that aspect of it. And so I uh, I think it works very well. Uh, yeah. The way I, the reason why I put it in the novel is because um, it's, again, I've mentioned two siblings and they're each kind of like trying to understand each other as well as the world. Um, mm. If I'm going to break it down the simplest terms, uh, the sister character, Audrey, who's probably the closest thing to a protagonist, if you're going to say there is a solo protagonist, mm. uh, her interest is in wanting to be understood by everyone else. Uh, Jacob, the brother character, his interest is in being under, he wants to understand other people. And so the other, it's the way the two of them are like, that's the the lens that I wrote each one of them was. One of them being like, please understand me. And the other one being like, I want to stand others and kind of struggling at that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I agree. I think the, um, the fascinating thing, as you were talking about, you know, the essay, um, this, um, there's so many layers to that. So, you know, in the film Nostalgia, um, like you said, uh, the the character is um, he's writing about a poet, right? Who um, left his home? Was it Russia? He he was a Russian poet, yes. and right? Um, but he had exiled, and then um, and he then, just yeah. Had, yeah. The the poet goes to Italy and then returns back to Russia and ends his life, and then the yeah. protagonist is something else as well from Russia, who also ends up going to Italy to follow him. Yeah, and in real life, Tarkovsky is a Russian director who went to Italy, and when he left the country, his citizenship was revoked, and he could not return to Russia. Right. And so all of the character, all three of the characters in that situation are people from Russia going to Italy and being unable, in one way or another, to return. Right. So it's all very autobiographical around the the concept of leaving what you something that you call home where so much of your identity comes from and then feeling like a a stranger there or you're you're exiled from your home or you don't know where home is anymore um and and that theme is also in the book and it's also something that you personally have experienced as well right around that same time frame you were talking about um so do you mind talking about that a little bit like for yourself personally because i know that that was something um, around that time where you you were talking to your mom and I a little bit about um, wondering what home was, because we had moved away from this house we lived in in Orange, had been there, you know, and then we moved, your, your mom and I moved to Idaho. You weren't in that home anymore, and then you didn't, you were, yeah, so you, you should tell the story. But, you know, yeah. I, I know that, I do know that this is something that was uh, significant for you. Yeah. So it was definitely a lot of things. Um... For one, when you guys moved to Idaho, uh, our pet cat ended up getting loose. Yeah. Uh, he escaped his harness um, at when he went to stop to fill up gas. And that was it. And yeah, it's the sort of him. thing where I, I'll, I'll like, I don't think I'll ever forget the last time I saw him kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was just uh, when I got that news, I had to just call my boss and say, hey, I can't come into work. I don't know when I'll be able to. He was a great guy. 
uh shout out to eddie great guy <laughs> he uh was like that's fine um i'm gonna keep you on the payroll so if you ever if you feel better come back we have you here so wow. he left that place for me i didn't feel better that semester but um i did end up going back so um but i just it was a sort of thing where it's like i was very much confused but like i don't recognize where home is in that sense um and then it was i mean it was definitely compounded when college like graduation hits in the middle of the pandemic and everyone i know has moved as well stores are closing down it was actually i want to touch on this i know i'm i think i offhand mentioned it Mm -hmm. but um right by our old house it was like a italian restaurant Mm -hmm. a gas station and a, uh, a Denny's, a Burger King, and like something else, and all of those, like you guys moved, and within like six months, all of those things were gone. And so yeah. it's like I get off at the exit for this ha- my uh, that I would used to take to go to my old house, and it's just I don't recognize this place anymore. Yeah. Um. Mm. And it's just, it was also I was definitely in a bit of a more depressive state, and so like I would try to like do the things I used to enjoy doing around there, and I'm like. I'm not getting anything out of this anymore. Like going to the old in and out that I used to go to, like we went there like at least once or twice a month, you know, like mm. for quite a, for quite a few years. Yeah. Um, And it's like, I, this does nothing anymore. Like going somewhere else. Like I, I don't feel a connection to this anymore. Yeah. And it was just that like realization that like, Oh, home is not the location. It's like, it's a combination of like location, the people you have there. And it just kind of like that heartbreaking realization of, Oh, this is gone. And there is no getting this back. Yeah. Yeah. There, that is, that, that is such a, um, it's so true, man. Um, Cause I think your mom and I feel that a little bit ourselves now too, um, in different ways. But yeah, it's like, even if you go back to that location, to the physical place, it's changed, right? And so, yes. the, and the people aren't there anymore, right? So people that we used to love, the people that we felt close to, and people that made that place feel like home, they're not there either. Yeah. So like, okay, well, you can go there, but almost everything about it has changed now. And so mm. home becomes, it's a feeling, it's a memory. Um, you can remember it. You can remember what it felt like. You can hold on to that, you know, and relive it in your mind a little bit, but you can't actually experience it again. And then there's that level, there's a loss there too. There's a grieving of, of that kind of loss because that's the kind of a loss that, yeah, you'll never get that back. Mm -hmm. I, um, have a song. I don't remember if it's a song that I still enjoy, but there's a song I made called Home is a Phantom Limb. It's an instrumental song. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like just that title, it was made when that all happened. So yeah. very much how I was feeling, because it was like, I'm still in the same place. Everything feels like it should be here, but it's not. It's like something's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So here's a deep question for you. By yeah. the way, this is, <laughs> and when we talked a little bit before we hit record about some of the things we we're going to talk about, but this is not something we had planned to talk about, but I'm just curious. Um, Let's do this since we're on this topic. So, so, you know, having gone through that experience, that, that grieving experience, that loss, 
of losing home um, as a location and um, all the surrounding elements and even the people, uh, they're all, you know, they're all gone and moved around and things are different. And, and, and there's that loss of that. So how would you, how do you define home now? What is home to you now? And do you feel like you have home now? Um, not really. Mm-hmm. Um, home for me feels like the time period of uh, my birth up through 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was something else that took its place that was okay, but it wasn't home. Yeah. And then there, after that, it's just been, it was like two years there. And then um, I don't think I've stayed in one house for more than a year since then. Well, because I moved out of, let, let me just, hold on, um, Fox News house. Uh, then I moved, took someone else's lease. Uh, let me just count. One, two, three, four, five, six. Uh, I've lived in four states and six different houses at I think since like, since I graduated frame? college. Since was, I graduated college. So in about what three years? Yeah, since twenty twenty. I well, actually I began seven houses because I began twenty twenty in a different house. I yeah. So yeah, it's hard to keep track of them all. Yeah. So yeah, you and and um, right. You started writing the book in Orange County, but then you moved. Yeah. Um. So talk about that. Why did you move? Yeah. Where did you move? What was that all about? So I, yeah, I began it at the Fox News house. Um, in Orange County. Yeah. That, that was, yeah, Fullerton, Orange County area. Uh, and then um, I just couldn't really afford to live there anymore in California. And as much as I loved it, it was like, um, I, I can't find a job that pays more than like 17 an hour. Yeah. And like, I can't find an apartment that me and my roommate are splitting rent for that is less than a thousand dollars per month. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's each, not total. Yeah, um, so it's like yeah, two thousand, yeah, like yeah. two thousand per month for a two-bedroom apartment. Not a good area, mm-hmm. not a good apartment, and that was the best option. And it was like they were going to renew the lease for uh, with like a lot. Actually, I think they had were going to force it to go month to month. And like I, they're just going to raise the rent until we can't be there anymore. So we're not doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, both of us were like, "How about the Pacific Northwest?" So um, we both separate. Me and my roommate at the time both separately ended up moving. Uh, I moved up at that point to uh, Vancouver, Washington, because we have a family friend there who mm-hmm. had a spare bedroom. Yeah. Um, and then three months there, and then I moved down to uh, Portland. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah. So um, let's talk a little bit more about the book. Um, mm-hmm. There's something you alluded to earlier. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, a third char- third sort of main character yes. in the book. So um, if you don't mind, who is this oh, yeah. other third character, and why is this uh, such a controversial thing? Yes. Um, I... Uh, I- I decided to write myself into the novel yeah. as the person writing the novel. And um, by that, I mean, I will just, there'll be chapters where it's the two characters and I will just go to a section. I'm just like, Hey, today um, it actually, it begins with Audrey and chapter two is just today. I decided I'm going to write a novel. Mm-hmm. Now 
what you previously read was a short story and I realized I like these characters and I want to do more with it. Today is this date. Uh, this is what I'm thinking it's going to be about. And that was just, there was, I did my best to not edit those. So that would be as genuine, like me in the middle of writing this novel uh, and not me like editorializing after the fact. Um, right. So like pretty much there's only like a clarification here or there where like, oh, that could have been, but those are pretty much uh, other than like grammatically they're untouched mm-hmm. um and it was just me being like this is what i'm wanting to write about like there's a section where like i'll just be like hey i realize like i want to write about um just like two people getting a meal because like that's more of what life is rather than all these big moments and like I, I mean, I understand novels are almost always based upon the big moments for an intentional reason, but also that's just not accurate. So yeah. I'm going to just do that. And then the chapter begins and it's two people going to In-N-Out and just eating food. And it's just moments like that where I'm like, hey, this is what I'm going to be doing. This is why I'm doing it. Uh, mm-hmm. Part of the reason was just like, you know, I was an English major in college death of the authors the thing i read about and stuff so i'm just like you know it'd be kind of funny just to see like genuinely like i think this is interesting and also i think this is would be a kind of funny thing for anyone who was trying to do like a literary essay death of the author on and then being like oh okay he is he has accounted for me doing this yeah um just because you know i'm not gonna give you an easy time if you're gonna do that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Even if I agree with Death of the Author, I'm, I'm going to give you a hard time. Well, explain Death of the Author for people that don't know oh, what yes. that is. Uh, Death of the Author is um, that you can't know what the author's intention is, and the author's intention does not matter. What matters is on the page. Right. Um, and so now, basically, by putting my intention within the page, quite literally, it's uh, feels I, it was kind of a me being like, putting barricades like, I'd like to see you try. I would actually genuinely like to see you try. I think it would be very entertaining. Uh, but I think I call out a few times like, and if you tried to use this theory right now, you there would be probably, what was it? Um, anyone who tried to use this form of theory right now would uh, probably have a field day. So just fully admitting at times like, yeah, you could definitely interpret it through this lens. I'm aware. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a bit like, you know, having a director's commentary of a film as you're watching the film. You're like, yeah, all of a sudden yeah. the director jumps in and he goes, oh, now in this scene, what I wanted to do was yeah. I wanted I wanted to show blah, blah, blah. And then the next scene is the scene he just described to you, right? Yeah. Like uh, watching a film and the making of film simultaneously. Yeah, exactly. No, that's ex- <laughs> that's exactly I, right. Hey, hey, uh, Hollywood, if you ever turn this film, this book into a film, uh, you, you got to do that. You know that, right? Yes. Yes, of course. <laughs> Um, well, that, that's one of, honestly, that's one of the things I really think is fascinating about the book. I love that. I love that you do that. And it does make it interesting all of a sudden, because now it's like, oh, the author is like um, alongside me as I'm reading the novel. The, the author is sort of like also jumping in and telling me what's in their head, why, why they're doing it, how they're even feeling. It's like, as you said, um, you were writing all of this concurrently. So it's not something like you wrote later and added in. This really is, as the novel was progressing, what you were thinking, how you were feeling as you were working on and completing the novel. Yeah, which is, and this is why I couldn't just uh, easily reorder it into a chronological setting. Mm-hmm. Um, I have that document that has them all in chronological order, like has the like, oh, part three is fifth. 
I don't know if that's the case, but like, you know, I have that document somewhere, but I didn't include it in the book because like, that's not how it's meant to be interacted yeah. with. Yeah. Well, if we sell a million copies, maybe we'll release that version as a yeah, special bonus yeah. or something. Like the memento, watch it in uh, order. <laughs> yes. For people yeah, that can't just... understand that film. Um, but I wanted to, but, but what I also think is interesting and, and this is probably totally intentional, but I just have to say it out loud uh, in the, in the uh, interview here, because, you know, a minute ago we, you were talking about you, your essay and about people translating uh, a poem, you know, from like Russian into English or something. Yeah. And, but how do you know what that poet really meant or felt? And then there's a language barrier. And so that word may not mean the same thing when you change it, you know, mm -hmm. just word for word. So, um, that's similarly, that's kind of what I think you're trying to, um, circumvent in your novel, because as you said, like someone's reading the novel and, um, if they're curious, like, well, what is the author's intent here? The next chapter, you jump in and tell them what your intent is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. Let's not, let's, uh, it's also a book in three acts, though I think let's not, definitely not spoil act three. No, we will not and, spoil. No, yeah. I will not spoil yeah. anything. And, uh, I think we've said enough to get people yeah. uh, intrigued about that. I The only thing I'll say is acts one, two, and three are very, very different from each other. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and this was a whole lot of variety um, in the novel. And so um, you and I have gone back and forth on this. Um, I, I would have described this as a meta novel because you, you're putting yourself in the novel. So that's kind of meta, right? You're referring to mm -hmm. yourself. You're breaking the fourth wall kind of a thing. Um, but you have another term for how you prefer to describe the novel. And, and so tell us what that is and why yeah. you prefer that description. Yes, uh, I've been using the word autofiction to describe it. Um, the reason why I've done that instead of metafiction is because I... I feel like metafiction feels more like something along the lines of adaptation, uh, the film by yeah. uh, Spike Jones and uh, Charlie Kaufman, yeah. uh, which is a great film. Yes. Um, but I feel like it's metafiction tends to be a bit more um, is it sardonic yeah. or sarcastic, um, both of those. And this one is not <laughs> like metafiction tends to have a like air of lightness to it and like just kind of a joking for the most part, or mm -hmm. or a trying to be like, aren't I cool for doing this thing? And yeah. this is just a very much like, this is what it is. Um, was more yeah. at least that was more my intention. Um, yeah, yeah. And okay. so autofiction. The reason why I've used that as well is because it partially. I, I mean, I'm just talking about this is. I'll mention this is what's going on in my life. This is what I'm writing. It's also that like the things that these characters are going through are things that are very much like very either stuff that happened to me or stuff that close enough happened to me like yeah. with slight edits to it yeah yeah and i think that's i mean i i'm very curious david because you know your mom and i have read it many times mm -hmm. <laughs> um leading up to the publication yeah, and thank you for doing all of the help with uh editing and corrections and yeah stuff. well i'd say most and of shout your out mom. to my editor as well uh brent um yes brent I forget your last name. I'm sorry, but thank you. Yes. Um, well, but but I'm curious. I'm fascinated, though. Like, I, I can't wait for, for people who are completely, you know, unaware of, of your personal story um, to read it um, and see what they think about it. Because, like, you know, your mom and I reading it, we know, like, we're reading it and we're like, oh, my gosh, this really happened, right? 
this is something pulled. This is this is a scene pulled straight out of our memories. Like we we went through that. We had this conversation. We mm-hmm. used to do these things. We went there. We you know uh, we got fosters for use at yes. El Loco. Yeah, and I used to tie the cherry stem with my tongue and all that stuff for you and your brother and stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, all that kind of stuff is is very real. And if nothing else, I guess people listening, if you're listening to this interview and you haven't read the book yet, um, you know, keep that in mind because as you're reading these scenes that are happening, these are all very autobiographical to you and to all of us, yes. to our family. Yeah, yeah, yeah really interesting. So uh, it's your first, very first novel. Uh, congratulations. I'm just mm-hmm. curious, do you have any advice? If you were, if you had to go speak yeah. to like a high school creative writing class, as and say, hey, you know, um, my name is David Giles. I just published my first novel. Um, what advice would you give to uh, a high school creative writing class of <laughs> aspiring authors uh, about writing their novel? Yeah. Um, the first thing I would say is just go at it at your own pace. Like as mentioned, um, I was writing this at like chunks at a time. I, well, I started this in January 4th of 2021. I didn't finish the even writing it process until um, March or April of 2022. And mm-hmm. that was like the first draft was finished at that point. Yeah. Um, and editing took forever. Uh, so I would just give the advice, do not edit your novel until you are done. There you go. Um. I know a lot of people will do the thing where they'll like write a chapter and then go back and edit it and then go read it again, write the next chapter and do that and like just not make any progress. So it's yeah. not the best way to write. Best way is just to go through and then go through everything as much as you can and then edit it. I, because it's in three parts as mentioned, would do, I did part one, edit, 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 part two, edit, 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 part three, edit, 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 and then the full thing like three or we did like three or four passes on the editing yes um just constantly going through trying to catch more things crossing my fingers we got them all yes don't I look think... for them please i don't want to know <laughs> don't tell me if you find don't them tell us if you find anything yeah we went through that thing so many times yeah um but i want to say too like so that's great advice um you know the, the advice i had when i was in college my one of my college professors um and i've never forgotten this he said you know writing is hard work and you have definitely, I want to say, you have definitely done that hard work. You, uh, Because, you know, um, and I agree with you, I think it's better just to write that first draft. If it's a bad first draft, that's great. Just write a bad first draft, but just get the whole thing on the on the screen or on the page or however you're writing it. Just get it out and get it on the page because then once it's there, that's when you can look at it and, and read it, do it again and do your editing and rewriting. And the rewriting process is really where it happens. That's where you really start to, you know, yes. uh, clean it up. I don't need this. I don't need that. Um, and that's where the, it happens. But like, yeah, I think you're right. A lot of people make the mistake of just being a perfectionist about chapter one and they'll just write it and rewrite it forever and never go anywhere. Yeah. Uh, I will also say with that, like, don't be afraid. Like if it's a first draft, just go go wild with it. Like, yeah, you don't, you might not include some of those things, but like if you have the hunch that, your character just like randomly goes, I'm going to go to Disneyland and they live in like Nevada, make them go to Disneyland and just sure. see what happens. Yeah. Uh, I will say a lot of this advice I am taking from Anne Lamott. Thank you, Anne Lamott for writing bird by bird. Um, that yeah. book helped me so much with mine. Uh, so I've got to give some credit there. Um, the other thing I will say is when you're editing, what I did 
was I gave myself like a month off before I went back to look at it. Good. It um, I find when I am writing and then I go to immediately edit, it just you you don't end up actually reading what you wrote. You read what the story that you have in your head. Yeah. Um, you read what you think you wrote, and that is not helpful at all. Yeah. Um, so it gives yourself some space and distance. Yes. That's always good. recommend giving yourself that distance it's take your time with it i i understand the hassle of being like ah i just i want this to be done and it's not it that happened to me so many times um yeah but just like knowing that okay no no take your time with it i won't do my best job editing it if i edit it now i need to give myself a month and right. There was probably a few months in there where I didn't work on this thing at all. I just got distracted um, by one thing or another. So if that happens, just try to find some means of getting back to it. But like, don't beat yourself up over it. If you beat yourself up over it, you're probably not going to be writing your best stuff as you're being like, oh, I need to do this. Like, that's yeah. not exactly how you want to be writing your story. Yeah. So I am I have a question, and I genuinely don't yeah. know the answer to this already, because I do not think we talked about this um, as you were going through your process of writing your novel. Um, but when you were writing the novel, I mean, had you already outlined the entire story? Did you know exactly how you were going to end the story? Or did you sort of like have a general idea in your head, but you started writing it and you kind of let the characters take you there? So I knew how act one began. I knew what act two was. I knew what act three was and I knew how the book ended. Okay. Um, I think I also knew how Act 2 ended as well. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know when that came to me. That one came probably after I finished Act 1, but before I started Act 2. Okay. Um, but I pretty much anything in the middle was like, I don't know how they're going to get to, from thing A to thing B to thing C to thing D to E to F. Like I didn't know any of the steps. I just knew this is what's happening first, and at some point this is happening, and then at some point that's happening. Uh -huh. interesting that's really cool yeah yeah very cool um so i, I do recommend i'm uh anti-outline okay um, just i mean as long if it's a vague this is only for a creative fiction sort of thing fiction, um, yeah like have like a general outline of like okay i know like know who your characters are know what they would and wouldn't do but like mm -hmm. don't plan out every step they're gonna take um yeah. like the sort of thing where uh just I, for me it was like oh i want to have a session like a chapter where the characters have a dnd &D session mm -hmm. it was that was the hardest chapter to write because like okay <laughs> how do i maintain the clarity of I, I hope that one worked that's the one where i'm like did that work because yeah. it's like oh you have the people there and then you have the people that the characters, the characters that the they're are playing, playing and i'm yeah. like how Ooh, <laughs> yeah. there was a lot of that one, I think I had to completely rewrite at least once. And so, uh -huh. yeah. 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 I think it was Stephen King has a great quote about that because um, he doesn't do that. He's also a big, uh, mm -hmm. uh, he doesn't like outlines. He doesn't like, you know, yeah. like he said, like he has a general idea when he wants, he has an idea for a story and he has an idea of the who the characters are. But when he sits down to write, he doesn't know the ending exactly. Mm -hmm. And he says even like, you know, he can't imagine like knowing the ending before he writes because then for him there'd be no reason to write it like he wants to write yeah. it because he wants to find out the ending yes um, it, so it does yeah. 
it feels like you are uncovering the story. That was my experience with it. Yeah. Um, the I did know the final line in the story. Yeah. As soon as I knew, like, that was one of the first things I knew from the story was, this is how it ends. Yeah. That's great. So um, what would, is there something that you hope readers take away from the book? Yeah. Um, I mean, hey, you know, if you get anything out of it, I will be glad. Um, but like the main thing is just like, I think it's very much just a novel about like sympathy, about trying to understand other people. And if it helps you like understand someone, like if you also had bad relationship with your grandfather and it helped or like grandparent or anything like that. And if it helped you like maybe understand like the fact that like people are complex and they can like bad people can do good things and vice versa. Yeah. Um, I think if you, that like you can come to some realization of that a bit, that would be like a very um, positive thing that I would hope yeah. you'd get out of it. I mean, also some people are just bad and uh, you know, if you are in that situation where you just had fully bad grandparents or parents, I am sorry. And I hope that if this book speaks to you, uh, it can still do that in some other way. Yeah. Um, I think um, one of the things I heard um from someone reading the book was the it makes you know because in the book the siblings uh, mm -hmm. Audrey and Jacob their father dies you know and suddenly or he wasn't sick it was just yeah. an accident out of the blue and and the suddenness of the how someone you care about can be taken away from you and and when they're taken away from you in the midst of sort of unfinished emotions un you know, um, unsaid conversation, unspoken conversations, yeah. um, how that increases the pain and the confusion mm -hmm. around that loss. And so anyway, I heard people who have read through it say they, uh, it made them appreciate the fact that, you know, the people in your life, like your parents and people mm -hmm. like that and your kids and, um, just to make sure you do your best to, uh, let them know that you care about them even if there's things that, you know, you still are, uh, haven't worked out yet emotionally, uh, between you that, you know, you do your best not to leave those things unsaid. Yeah. Uh, I was listening to the song action on the drive home after work today. Uh, the song, do you realize by the band, the flaming lips, which does not make an appearance in this book, I believe. I was going to, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, the, it has the line, um, do you realize that everyone, you know, someday will die. And instead of saying all of your goodbyes, let them know that life goes fast. It's hard to make the good things last. Yep. That's right. And so it, speaking yeah. of that, what a beautiful segue, because I was going to oh, ask yes. you this anyway. And then you look at you. That was beautiful. You just you just kind of set me up. I was going to ask you, because there is so much music uh, and, and uh, in, in the novel. And it's a tricky thing, um, because being in publishing, what you realize is that you really cannot quote song lyrics. Which is sad because I think your first draft, your first draft had some song lyrics in it. And we were like, nope, you got to pull those out. The only lyrics it actually had were in the research essay. That's true. In it. That's true. Um, but talk about the music. Because, yeah, it, it was just fun to be like, oh well, the that feels like the one way I should be able to get away with it. But no, <laughs> um, it was a sort of thing where um, music just plays a massive part in my life. I listen to a lot of music, a lot of weirder music um mm. the first song that gets mentioned in the book is kate bush's running up that hill mm -hmm. 
Um, I it's fun looking back on some of these song choices and being like, I don't remember how intentional it was that um, the fact that the character who's listening to it is Jacob and the song is uh, a song about like wanting to understand someone else. Yeah, I don't remember if I made that like if that was my intention as soon as I started the novel because like. I kind of knew who he was, but I don't remember if I knew that much about him when I started this novel. Interesting. Um, and again, yeah, I uh, I don't know if that's was intentional or not, because whoopsie, death of the author also applies to the author going over his own material. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, so it's a lot of stuff that's either like, in some sense, like sentimental to me, or if I felt like it was thematically relevant. Like Chemical Brothers is not something I find sentimental, but it just... It felt, um, it, it, the band reminds me in some ways of, um, you had a Michelle Gondry DVD. Yeah. That's how I found out about them. Yes. And so it just was like, ah, yeah, let's put them in there. Like growing up, you played a lot of weird music from the Jet Set Radio soundtrack to stuff yeah. like Stick of Rolls or Radiohead. Um, the Verve. Yeah. Which that song appears the most, um, uh, mm-hmm. Which that uh, when we were when I was young, uh, that was my brother's favorite song. Um, so that's probably why that one appears. I think yeah, it bittersweet symphony. Yeah, I think it appears three times in it. Yeah. Um, it, and that's not just because like I like the song. It's because that song played that much in the car. <laughs> that was probably one of the songs I listened to the most as a small child. We played the hell out of that album. Yes. Oh yeah. Um, it probably is, like skips now because of that. But but that's one that even though we played that that album a lot, yeah. you still like it. You still listen to it. Yes, yes. Uh, controversial take. Sorry, OK Computer, but uh, that album's better. <laughs> that's the best <laughs> album of 1997. And as someone born in 1997, I feel like I have some say in it. Yes. <laughs> but yes. yeah. Um, so so there's a bit of a soundtrack to yes. the novel, which I love, and you actually did create a Spotify playlist, right, to go along yes. with the novel. I hate Spotify, um, but this is the easiest way to make this playlist for you to access. Um, yeah. And so to, I was a bit horrified when I looked at it and realized that uh, it is two hours and 40 minutes long. So it is a feature length soundtrack. Yeah. Um, whoops. <laughs> hey, only like four of the songs are over 10 minutes. <laughs> right. Um, Again, I'm sorry. <laughs> No, no, I think that's fascinating. I think that's really cool. So people that are in your book launch team, um, yeah, you, you shared the link to the Spotify thing. And yeah. people have made comments about it as well that like, because some of the people reading it don't have any idea who these bands are. and, and these and they're, But but it's also led them to kind of search out. I want to hear that yeah. song. So like, so if you're reading it and you and you you're in the novel, you make a mention that this character is listening to this song mm-hmm. uh, or this song comes to their mind in their memory and they start singing it to themselves or something. Um, but if you don't know that song, uh, but you can like stop and go look it up and listen to yeah. it. And go, oh, okay. This is the song that was, that kind of goes along with the scene. Uh, I think that's really cool. I would like how you did that weaving in music along with the story. Yeah. It's just, it, it feels like, um, I mean, I'm one of the things I mentioned in this book is just how important, like for me, good art is. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like, that's like one of those little joys that just, keeps you going through the day and yeah just music can be that um i mean any form it could also be like i also reference make reference to a few movies um inside lewin davis gets a reference in there just Mm. because during the pandemic i ended up re-watching that one and it was like 
a bit weird to watch this film that I the first time I was like, this is so tragic. And the second time me and my friend are just laughing hysterically <laughs> at this thing. It's like, this guy has the worst day of his life. And I'm That's like, right. This is so funny. I love this film. This is hilarious. And I'm like, huh, that's different. Yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's very true. I mean, I also mentioned video games in there. Um, just like been inspired by so many different forms of art. Um, yeah. Outer Wilds is the one that I think that's the only one I outright mention. Uh, yep. If you ever, if you can play video games, like if you have the hand-eye coordination, play Outer Wilds. It is the best game I've ever played. Uh, tied with a few other games, but you know, it, it, it can share the number one spot with a few other things. So what was the other one? Kentucky? Kentucky Route Zero. But yeah. that one I didn't actually play till after I finished the novel. Yeah, okay, so we can't, um, we can't so, include that one in the canon. No. Yeah. Um. So, and, and um, I know um, people may not know this about you, um, but, you know, music plays a big role in the novel itself, as you said, but I know music is a big thing for you. So before you were a, a novelist, before you were writing uh, like this and publishing a novel, um, your main artistic outlet was music. And we have a little bit of time. I thought, just talk yeah. a little bit about that and uh, your, you know, creating music yourself. Yeah. Um, I've been making music since 2016, I think, was when I dropped my first album or EP, or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. um, that one's hidden. You can't find it anymore. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but I've just, just kind of, like, every year I've put out something, um, except this year. This is the first year I've not released anything. Hmm. Um, I have three albums in the in my back pocket that I'm hanging on to, but oh. I'll probably release one of them in December. Um, Didn't we make a video for one of them? We made two videos for one of them. Yes, okay. Um. I'll probably share that one at some point after this uh after this releases. Okay. I, maybe I'll hey I'll I was thinking I was going to share it actually with the book release uh book launch party. Yeah. Um that one I'll release a bit early for them and then officially later on. Oh, that's cool. But so uh hey, if you're in there, you've probably seen it by now. I don't When does this podcast go out? <laughs> probably probably will be out um near the end of August. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you'll probably you'll probably see it by then then. Very um, cool. But I've made music anywhere from like I have friends I've worked with um and my band name is I should have mentioned this at the beginning, uh 14 days it's spelled out. So F O U R T E N space D A Y S. Yeah. Um I have stuff on Bandcamp is my preferred method, but it's also on pretty much anywhere else you'd stream. It should be on Pandora, Apple Music, um spotify amazon music if you're like the one percent of people who uses amazon music <laughs> right. um, uh but you know I, it ranges from if you're going to listen to anything um next slash end is the most listenable thing i have made mm -hmm. um it's not my favorite but it's the if you're looking for something normal that's guitars and vocals it's that <laughs> one if right. you want to hear um the stuff i tend to enjoy a bit more it's the album My Life Within the Confines of a Freeway. Yeah. Uh, that one is just like full on distortion, like mm -hmm. intentionally putting the vocals a bit lower in the mix. Just let, like the distortion sounds take uh, the main thing. Lyrics, of course, are like as someone who's an English major, lyrics I put a lot of focus on. Yes. Um, uh, 
I I will say my inspirations mainly were uh, Jim Guthrie, who's a little Canadian uh, singer songwriter guy who's also done a bunch of soundtracks, different things. Um, Shushu is the person who's inspired my the way I make music now the most. Jim Guthrie got me into making music. Shushu defined how I make my music. Yeah. I don't. It's Shushu is X I U X I U. I don't recommend them unless you are okay with the darkest, and I'm not talking metal, I'm like painful noises and just unsettling, disturbing music. Um, Great stuff. I love it, uh, though most people don't. Um, The other person is Ian William Craig, who I do mention in the playlist. Uh, Like, he does get a call out in there. Um, Because he make my music, I've always had an interest in ambient music as well. Yeah. Um, and so he made a very different form of ambient music where like it'll be a big amp like his uh album uh centers it's like 73 minutes and it's basically mm. just one long noise piece and then randomly in it sometimes it'll come together as like the lyrics will come into it with a bit more instrumentation and then it'll just go back into being this big ambient noise piece love that album it's in my top 10 if you like ambient music or think you might be interested in getting into it, I recommend that one the most out of any ambient album. Um, yeah. It's so beautiful. Um, yeah. Also yeah. was kind of inspired by like stuff like the Flaming Lips, Radiohead, Uncle, um, plenty of different other inspirations. But Shushu, Ian William Craig, and Jim Guthrie are the people who like, I feel like anyone who... If you've listened to them and then listened to me, you'll be like, okay, I, I see what you're doing there. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Um, well, that's cool. So you're still yeah. making music. Um, but are you, are you still writing? Is this, so this novel, is this, you're done, you've got a novel and you're done with that. Or are you still writing? Yep. I've given up on writing. It was fun. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> uh, no, um, I currently have been working on a novel that's like a Americana inspired novel. It's going even slower, I think, than the first one, because I just don't have as much free time as I used to uh, somehow. Right. Uh, oh, I should mention, uh, when I was writing my novel, don't do this. I quit my job quite often. Uh, mm. I was working for a temp agency at the time. And so there was like, I think, four months of that time when I was jobless and just like, well, I have all the time I need to write this. There you go. And so it was a mix of jumping back and forth. So uh, don't don't do that. That's not a recommendation. Yeah. But right. it did work, uh, but it's not a recommendation. <laughs> right. Um, it did work, but don't try it. Yeah. yeah. Um, right. So, yeah, I am working on that story. That one's very, very, like, maybe a, a fifth of the way through. And then also, um, I have a sci-fi short story in the upcoming uh, Choir Sci-Fi Anthology That's as right. well, which mm-hmm. I, I promise I'll get you the edits to before the end of the month. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, I, I'll get to those at some yeah. point. <laughs> Yeah. Well, so that's, yeah, that's great. It's yeah. good to know that you're still writing and, uh, and doing music and all that. Yeah. Yeah. That's very cool. And I'm excited about that. That anthology is excellent. Um, and yeah, and your story is one that I, I actually, I'll just go in and say it. Uh, you had written this short story when you were in college and I read it and it was hilarious. It was genius. I just, I, I actually, when choir was doing the sci-fi anthology, I messaged you and I said, David, you've got to submit this story because I want to publish it in this anthology. So thank you for, for doing that. Thank you for sending it over. Um, yeah. And I'm super excited to be able to publish it and for other people to read it. It's great. Oh, yeah. I Going back to it, I do still enjoy it. It's <laughs> definitely like, oh, gosh, this is... I am such a different person than I was when I wrote that. Because, like, 
I this is a comedy story, and it is that it is. that's very different than what the um what my like novel, novel is. Like, yeah, it's like the most. That is why the most Owen Brothers inspired thing I've written because it's very. It's almost nihilistic. If it's not nihil, it's either nihilistic or almost nihilistic. Just that level of like comedy of errors and just like the meaninglessness of everything, yes. which I don't really. <laughs> ag- it's not that I agree with it. It's just it's really funny to engage in that. Yeah, your mom and I were reading. We printed out a copy of it, um, and we're reading it on the on a plane together, and just literally started busting up laughing out loud in the in the, on the airplane. Uh, nice. So yeah, it's it's very entertaining, very funny. Um, (laughs) so I can't wait for people to read that. Um, so, Hey, uh, when is it? Oh gosh, I don't even know. I think we're shooting to get that. I mean, I'd like to get it out before the end of the year, but if not, it'll be early, early 2024. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, my novel is going to be out September 19th. Yes. Uh, give it a, a purchase physical or digital. Uh, If you see me in person and you have it on me on you, uh, I'll, I'll autograph it. I don't know. Uh, how that would happen but hey i'd autograph it right yeah yeah so that's cool and so um thank you so much david for taking time to talk with me and record this interview uh about your novel and yourself and all that so um if people wanted to find you online you've already mentioned the band camp and all that stuff but i mean are there what are the best places for people just to connect with you if they read the book and um just want to follow what you're doing yeah um, so I'd say definitely the best place is uh, 14days.bandcamp.com. That's for my music. Yep. But you can also uh, hit me up on my Instagram. Find me there. Uh, it's not a private one because eh, I don't care. Uh, it's Instagram.com slash David Giles writes. One word. Um, Giles, you should hopefully know, is G-I-L-E-S. Yes. And writes is dumb. U-R-I-T-E-S. And hopefully you know how to spell David. If you don't, I'm not going to spoil it for you. <laughs> we can't help you there. That's right. Uh, but yeah. Uh, awesome. You can hit me up there. Um, I also have a, my band does have a like YouTube page for all of my music videos that I've done. And we have two, we have actually three more music videos on the way. So give yeah. me a subscription there and you'll see some very bizarre music videos. <laughs> yes. Very interesting avant-garde surreal um music videos yeah yeah and uh yeah you actually helped me out with uh two of them so uh, three of them right or no no two? uh just two okay yeah. well, one of them I, I hold the camera i filmed you yeah you're in one of them you film one of them and then the other one you weren't in okay there you go so but that yeah. one was filmed in 2017 and only just now is going to see the light of day and uh too many years later yeah Absolutely. So yeah, it's cool. You're very disciplined that way. Uh, I would be trying to release things as quickly as possible. You're really good about like recording things and uh, giving, giving breathing room in between your releases. I mean, I didn't used to be that way, but definitely better at it now. Yeah. Well, David, again, thank you so much. Um, I hope people will go and check out the novel. It's once again, it's called there once were orange groves. Uh, That's from choir publishing available September 19th on Amazon on Kindle and paperback and i guess audible at some point and um so yeah check it out i still know who i want to if we do a every an audiobook there's a part of me that wants a different narrator for each part of it Mm -hmm. um and if we do i know who i want but i doubt we'd be able to get them and uh, that's unimportant (laughs) (laughs) okay 
So yeah, we'll let that be. We'll, yeah. we'll let people figure that out once that that yeah. we get we get to that point. It's Kellogg from Fallout Four. If you know who that is, that that's who I want to voice one of the parts. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. We'll see if we can. If you're listening, you know, hey, uh, reach out. Yeah. We'd we'd love to talk to you. Or but if you I, know him, reach yes, out. <laughs> yeah. Send him our way. We'd love we'd love to uh, connect. So yeah, David. Again, thank you so much. This has been great. Um, yeah. I want people to go out, and make sure they check out the book, pick out the book, and uh, if you do pick up the book and you love it, please uh, you know leave a rating and a review, share it with people that you also think would enjoy it, um, and uh, give David a follow uh, at those places that he you know mentioned, and um, let him know that you like it too. Yeah, it'd be great. Yeah, I'd love to hear what you have to say about it. If it's bad, I'll I'll listen and cry afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. Well, thanks so much, David. Take care. Yeah. Thank you. Have a good day. All right. Don't hang up.